all say? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Hey, this morning, uh, I'm sure most of us have some sort of connection with the stock market, whether uh, it is through directly buying stocks, stock options, your 401k, through some sort of retiring, retirement investment account, you've heard a lot in the news about return on investment. And return on investment right now is not good. <laughs> but you know what they keep telling us? Keep investing. Now they make that sound good. Basically they're just saying, people, we just want your money when you don't got no money. But they say that it is just solid financial planning to keep investing and don't let the market shake you up. Well, I want to talk about return on investment. But I don't want to talk about it in terms of finances. We'll have a, a stewardship kind of series probably towards the first of the year. But I want to talk about a practical guide for spiritual investments into those who are between the ages of 19 and 29. In the church, they're kind of known as that lost decade or, or that lost kind of, you know, span of time. They kind of, those kids go off to college and for whatever reason they just drop out of the life of the church... For a decade. And so we want to spend a little time talking about that, even though, uh, and I just want to encourage us as a church, even though just like the stock market at times, it doesn't look like you're getting a good return on the investment, man, we as a church have to keep investing into the lives of our young people. Uh, everyone on the stage this morning, except for Dennis the drummer, what? That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Except for Dennis the drummer, had, was raised here in Kirby Church. The, the, young, the, the least amount of time uh, was Nathan Baird. He's been here nine years since fifth grade. And so we have a heavy commitment to our young people. So today we're going to be, begin a four-week sermon series entitled ROI, Return on Investment. We're going to talk about our children, our children's ministry. Tommy, James Miller, and I are going to be sharing time on this topic. You're going to hear from different praise bands from across the timeline spectrum. However, I want you to make sure you understand this is not about financial investing. We're talking about spiritual investing, and we're talking about investing in our church. See, there is an issue that the church at large doesn't talk about. In our church, we talk about it kind of in our Unity One meetings and, and, and kind of in different smaller group settings. But it's why do we use our, lose our young people for a decade when they go off to college? Now, lose is kind of a, a broad descriptive word here. Lose could mean that they just drop out of church and usually upon marriage re-enter church life or it could mean that they go from this state of real activity in the church youth group to a time of just being more sedentary in their faith just sitting back and and just letting church and life go by and so this period between about four five to ten years we want to talk about it and uh, just kind of come to some terms with it. Data over the last 30 years by a group called General Social Survey pinpoints that age 22 is the low ebb in the curve. And that if they do come back, and statistics show that there is a strong probability once they get married or have children that they will come back, 
But why do we have to lose them for that almost decade? And so you're going to hear some things from different points of view, from a youth ministry point of view, from a college and career uh, ministry point of view. And, uh, and then I think we'll end our series on September 4th with talking about how to parent your child through that time, not just to that time. In our American culture, we think, oh, get them to 18, they go off to college, we can wash our hands of parental responsibility. I parent them to that time. No, I believe biblically we're to, to parent them through that time, but the skill set that you need to parent a 19 to 29-year-old is radically different than a 9-year-old, all right? You can't parent them the same, and we'll talk about that on September the 4th. So we've got a lot to do and a lot of agenda I just want to say up front, I think losing our children for a generation, using, losing our youth for a decade is unacceptable. I think we cannot say, well, that's what every other church is doing. That's the status quo. That's the way it's tracked. Well, it's just kind of part of culture today. Jesus left the 90 and 9 to go after the one sheep. Amen? So I think you and I, as part of a church who have been committed to our children, who've been committed to our teen ministries, I think we've got to have this philosophy that says, hey, listen, losing our children, losing spiritual influence over our young people for a generation is an unacceptable position, and we need to take a serious look and make adjustments so that we can kind of turn that tide and turn those numbers around. I think that you understand this church has a strong commitment to youth in this church we spend a substantial amount of money on our children's ministry our top spot and our teen ministry i want you to know that in top spot in children's ministry and in teen ministry these are not babysitting services <coughs> whichever ministry that your son or your daughter or your grandson or your granddaughter needs to have you however it may be involved in i want you to know from top spot on up they are learning the word of god it is trying to be implanted into their heart so that they can know how to rightly divide the word of truth so that they can hide it in their heart that they might not sin against god Kirby Church is not a free babysitting service. We're about transforming lives by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the word of God and through the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, his son. And at every opportunity we can, we invest in the lives of our children and in our youth. And I don't apologize for that. And sometimes it gets a little messy around here because we do that sometimes the, the the church is dirtier than other churches that you would walk into and the carpet isn't as clean as it would be in other churches listen i will take 110 children in this church and dirty carpet over five children and clean carpet anytime so there's things i'm willing to put up with because your children my children they're worth it so we have to keep on investing even when we see some walk away, we don't throw up our hands and quit. We say, okay, we just got to keep investing. We got to find a better way. We got to keep working this thing. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's time to roll up our sleeves and, 
and say, let's go. So this series of messages is going to be more topical, and I'm not the best topical preacher. I'm not the best top preacher of any kind, but, but topical preaching is not my strong suit. I like exegetical preaching where I can jump into a text and then make strong application, but we're going to kind of route it a different way for this series. And so I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Book of Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. The, the name Ecclesiastes means little preacher. I'm in. I'm good. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. The book of Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book in the Bible. And in that wisdom book of the Bible, Solomon writes trying to tell us the ultimate meaning in life. The ultimate purpose in life. What is truly of worth and value in this life. And it is a wonderful, wonderful, it has some of the most beautiful literature in those 12 chapters that you're going to find anywhere. There's a chapter 3, there's a time for everything under the sun, a time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to play, uh, plant. And, and then here in chapter 12, you have this really cool thing on, uh, on, on youth. Now the Bible does not define youth. Culture defines youth. Before World War II, there was not such a thing in sociological or demographic circles as teenager. But that came into play after World War II. I know in some continents and countries in the world, teenagers are treated like adults. And I know a lot of adults in a lot of countries who act like teenagers. And so this thing of youth is kind of a, a relative thing. We have this arbitrary kind of deadline that kind of moves us along. And we think that because a child is 16, we can put them behind an 1,800-pound vehicle, give them the key and your credit card, and send them off to the world. That's a scary thought, isn't it? The most helpless moment I've ever felt in my life is when my oldest son, Ben, drove away from my house for the first time ever without me in the car. And I was helpless. And my world changed on that day. And so we have to understand that youth is kind of a, a, a culture-driven thing. Most Bible scholars believe that in this context, and in the context that Paul used it in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, where he says, do not despise you know, thy youth, that they're talking about mid-twenties. So we're talking this college and career age, this 19 to 29, this mid-twenty, youth. Youth. And it's interesting to know what happened in all these young people in the Bible. Man, a simple survey of the Bible finds Joseph a youth, finds uh, Samuel and David, all who would fall in this category of youth, Joash and Josiah, who would fall into this category of youth, Mary and Joseph. The, the mother and, and stepfather of Jesus, youth. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, youth. Matter of fact, it seems that almost that every turn when God wanted something substantial to happen in Scripture, he didn't turn to us old geezers. He looked into the direction of youth. 
who had a simple childlike faith and just would say, well, if that's what God wants me to do, I'll do it. God wants me to go fight the giant, I'll go fight the giant. You and I would go, no, we can't do that. He's so weak. So he says, don't let, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Most of you use the NIV or the King James. doesn't do violence to the scripture. It, it has the same connotation. It says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Don't let the excitement of youth forget, make you forget, cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. Now, I'm growing old. I'm still enjoying living. But it says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. I love that. At this point, many Bible scholars again believe, we're probably talking to somebody in their mid-twenties. Solomon was saying that the excitement of youth can become a barrier to closest with God if we make that the focus and the focus is on immediate gratification instead of eternal values and eternal, you know, commitment to living for and with Christ. What Solomon is saying to those who are 19 and 20 year, 19 and 29 years old, he's saying, make your strengths available to God. He's saying, don't waste it on sin. Don't waste it on meaningless activities that become bad habits and, and make you callous, bitter, or at worst, skeptical. He says, give God your best now. Don't wait till you're old. Matter of fact, and I've got the NIV in front of me, and I, I put the New Living Translation on the screen. But listen to how he describes those of you who are growing old. He says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong man's stoop, in other words, you don't stand up as straight as you did. You're a little more fearful than what you once were. And when the grinder cease, that's teeth. In other words, when you got to use polygrip to hold the dentures in. And when you got to use the bifocals, the trifocals, the, the, the cataract surgery and all of that. Because your eyes grow dim. Now, Solomon didn't have the, the, the blessing of modern medicine like we do, but he's just simply saying that, listen, when, when you grow old, things change. And so give God your best in the days of your youth. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget God, your creator. Well, let's look at some issues that may cause you to forget God. Let's look at some issues that may cause this 1929 crowd to forget God, and I just kind of want to thumb through these kind of quickly and uh, throw them out for you. First of all, there's life issues. This time of life is just confusing. It's a maze. It's a struggle. Up until this time, moms and dads have told them what to do. Get up, let's go to breakfast, got to go to school. It's time to go to bed. Did you get your homework done? It was amazing to me the first time I went off to college and mom, that mom wasn't there telling me to get my homework done. This is a time of of increased self-autonomy. It is a time of, of uh, freedom to go, whether to parties or, or have 
sex outside of marriage, get involved in drugs or alcohol. You just have more freedom at a time where you have great or lack of accountability. So you have greater freedom and you have a greater lack of accountability. You have greater freedoms, but you lose this close-knit community uh, that you had when you were growing up in church, and now everybody's kind of scattered, and that tightness isn't there, so the accountability isn't there, the mentoring isn't there, and then you're just kind of free to just kind of do, you know, throw into that, in college world anyway, sleep deprivation, poor nutrition, lack of exercise, fickle relationships, the absence of mentors, poor time management skills, and a lack of sense of belonging to a church or feeling like you belong anywhere, man, that is a recipe for disaster, isn't it? And we just kind of disconnect from one and unconnect. Man, I want you to know, man, 19 to 29-year-old, it is a fun time of life. If you can remember back that far, you would say amen. It is a fun time of life. It is loaded with opportunities. And I'm just going to encourage all of us to encourage our 19 to 29 to embrace it. But don't waste your youth on the wrong things. Remember now, don't waste your youth on the excitement or don't be detoured by the excitement of youth. Keep your eyes focused clearly on God, our creator. It's loaded with fun. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget God, your creator. The text is justified in reminding young people that they cannot afford to put off faith in God, their creator, until they're older. God wants their best now. The rhythm of life is like the rhythm of seasons or years. There's spring and summer. That's youth. And those things go so quickly, don't they, until autumn and, and the cold winds of winter start to blow. Aging is not easy to watch. It's not easy to do. Man, I grunt at things I never grunted at before. I bend over and tie my shoe. I grunt. I watched people for years grow up in a church as a kid. And all of a sudden, you'd go to church one Sunday, and they'd have hair growing out the side of their ear. And I'd look at that, and I'd go, how does that happen? Now I stand in front of the mirror in my bathroom looking at my ear going, how does that happen, you know? It just changes. Man, I used to could see well. Man, you should have seen. When, when Terry and I were on our trip to Ireland, man, we got lost so much because we couldn't see that retarded map in front of us. I'm telling you. We couldn't read it. It was, I mean, we, we, every time we saw we were going to have to buy us a magnifying glass. And we couldn't read it, and we were wearing our glasses. You just start breaking down, don't you? Your stamina isn't what it should be, and the health isn't quite what it should be. And what the word is, what Solomon said is, is listen, the wisest man in the world said, listen, I've examined this issue of life on all sides, in all angles. That I, I have captured lands and I have dominated people. I have built great buildings and monuments in my name. I, I have accumulated and amassed wealth untold. I can't even count it all. But I'm telling you, here's the final resolve in the whole matter. You go to the end of chapter 12. It's not about getting more toys or getting more things. It's about fearing God and keeping his commandments. Because this is the whole duty of man. And Solomon says, do this not when you're old. Do it when you're young. 
So the habits are ingrained when you're old. So we got these life issues. Another issue is college. When a Christian college freshman arrives on a typical secular campus, their faith is going to be ridiculed from all sides by their own friends and their own professors. They'll hear that the Bible is unreliable, that Christ is no different than any other religious teacher, and that any Christian who thinks otherwise is seriously misguided and has been seriously misled. Professor Jay Bozinski notes modern institutions of higher learning have changed dramatically in the last half century. And from the moment students set foot on a contemporary campus, their convictions and disciplines are assaulted. He is not a Christian. They may hear that Christianity is the cause of all the problems of the world, including violence, racism, and sexism. Their faith may be challenged in a setting where there's no support for them and in situations where they feel the least able to give a good answer. Years ago, I was at Wright State University before I went off to Bible college. And at Wright State University, I had a communications class, and that was going to be what I was going to do. I was going to do the communication thing, and then go into law, and do this little preaching thing on the side, and God kind of had other plans, and so here we are. But I, I had this one communication class, and we had to go, and we had to sketch, and it's a common college exercise from what I understand. We had to sketch the the landscape going into the front doors of the library at Wright State University. So we had to get the bushes, we had to get the, you know, the, the front entranceway and the enclave, we had to get the steps and the sidewalks, and we had to get all of that, and he even wanted us to get all the paths, you know, how people walk through the quads, and he wanted us to get all the paths to, to that, and I said, okay, why am I standing here sketching, I'm in college, and I'm sketching sidewalks. Went to class the next day. We turned in, or we held up our papers. We didn't turn them in. We just held them up and showed them to everybody. Made a few jokes at our artistic uh, and the lack of artistic ability. And then he said this in a communication class, not a philosophy class, not a sociology class, not a cultural anthropology class, not even a basic anthropology class. He said this in a communication class. See, that proves... That just as there's many ways to get to the library, there are many ways to get to God. And I'm holding up my paper, and I'm looking at everybody else's paper, and I'm going, dude, that's pretty cool. But that is so wrong. The Bible says that Jesus isn't one of the best ways to get to heaven. He's the only way to get to heaven. There's no other way but through him, he's the way, the truth, and life. John 16, or John 14, 6. Before I went down to Bible college, I, I had to have a literature course. A literature course. And an and a, and a ancient history course. And my literary course was uh, women in literature. There were 12 girls and me and the professor. I knew I was in the wrong class there. And then I had an ancient civilization course taught by Mr. Schwartz, and he was impressive. He, he was a uh, retired Air Force man there at Wright, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base there in 
in uh, Dayton, Ohio. He uh, was a former ambassador to some country that I've long since forgotten. He just ripped off a set of credentials. Just, oh man, he was impressive. He was funny. He was articulate. He was intelligent. He was just boom, boom, boom. And I'm just sitting there in class and I'm just taking it all in. I'm sitting right up front. And Mr. Schwartz, this old guy, just starting to, you know, getting us on. And he said, I just need to know, and I've told you this story before, I just need to know before we start this class, are there anybody in here who would consider themselves a Bible-believing fundamentalist? And then he laughed. And his laughter was intimidating. I believe with all of my heart, he laughed to be intimidating. Now, I knew I was a Christian, but I never heard that word fundamental. I never heard the word evangelical. I just knew I was a Christian. I didn't know the other word, but I knew I was that Christian. But because I didn't know the other word, I didn't raise my hand. I just sat there. Didn't even know that's what I was. College can be a time. Because, listen, as parents, we're so worried about getting our child's heart, aren't we? That sometimes we forget to grab their mind as well. College. I think there's another life issue that, that presents itself. While, while maybe this is so hard, and I, I think maybe because of they lose their support network. Especially here in, in our church. They go from youth group to where it's a tight group. And they do trips together and, and service projects together. And they sit together. They pray together. They hang out together. They're with, with Tommy so they're all cool together, you know. It's just this really intense time. And they're hanging out in his office. And they're hanging out at his house. And he's calling them up. They're calling him up. And it's just great. And they're all doing stuff together. And... And then the structure of the group or the dynamics of the group begins to change. They get promoted the Sunday, the last Sunday of August, they get promoted out of youth group. They get the boot. They're no longer, they don't, do I go and sit over here? Well, I'm no longer in youth group. Where do I sit? I don't know. I go in Tommy's office, but now there's, 13-year-old junior high kids in there, and I'm going to be in college. I don't fit there anymore. And I can understand that. You, when you lose this sense of, of, of community, man, that thing can be really challenging to your faith. Especially if you like each other. If the bond goes so deep that you, that you love each other, and, and there's this deep commitment to each other, and then the dynamics of the group change, group change when someone goes off to college. The dynamics of the group change. Maybe the person who was kind of like the glue that held the group together goes off to college, and now everybody gets a little more fragmented. And then instead of hanging with the group, they start falling in love, and so they start dating. I can't hang with the date because their boyfriend or girlfriend want them to hang with them, and so now you got a little... A little competing time demands going on here, and the group begins to fall apart even more. And then you really kind of mess things up when they start getting engaged and getting married. 
Because that just changes the dynamics of everything. Because single guys, single girls just don't understand why they can't come over to young married couple's house whenever they want to. The dynamics change. And the group falls a little farther apart. The, the community becomes a little more dis, disjointed. And I think that has an effect on their faith. Everyone, has, everyone needs a place to belong as they believe. And if you don't have this place to belong, if you don't have this connection point, if you don't feel like there's a place for you to fit, you're not going to go. Now, that's just kind of a natural evolution of life. And things change. And in that rapid time and all the excitement of it all, the challenge from Solomon was don't forget in the excitement of youth to forget the creator in the days of your youth. I think there's one final thing I want to throw in there in this parents. And I alluded to it earlier. And it's a tough time, man. I love being a parent. But I'm telling you, parenting my children after they've graduated from high school takes a whole lot more energy, thought, commitment, prayer than it did the 18 years before they got out of high school. It is demanding to be a parent of a 19-year-old because life is simpler when you control the shots. You might as well amen there. As a parent, life is simpler when you and I control the shots and they have little autonomy. And you have major control. Now, you want to teach them to enter the world as an adult. And one of the skills of a parent is knowing how loosely and how tightly to hang on to your child between the ages of 19 to 29. Sometimes I think I've done that well. Most of the time I go, oh, Lewis. Because our goal as a parent is to release them so that they will continue to be lifelong worshipers of Jesus Christ. Not because it's our faith, but because they have appropriated it and it is now their faith. And it's their faith when they don't have the answers from a college professor. It's their faith when the community that, that was right there to bolster them up and to, to, to lift them up. Why, man, that, it is, when that's gone, it's still their faith. When the issues of life just seem to overwhelm them, it's still their faith. And that's the goal of parenting. But I'm telling you, it's tough to parent 19 or 29-year-old kids. They think they know it all, amen? Man, I remember going off to college, thinking my dad was the dumbest thing that ever walked on the face of the earth. I did, man. I, me and my dad's a little guy from Kentucky, and I'm running around, you know, Wright State University, Sinclair University, Bible College, yada, 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 and I'm just running around with all these smart, intelligent people. I remember the first time I got home, my dad and I were talking. We were talking about something about the Bible, and I thought, huh, my dad got a little smarter while I was away. And over the Last two years, especially when I was away, didn't have an opportunity to come home, but maybe once or twice a, a semester. Man, I'm telling you, my dad got real smart real quick. I struggled with money. Dad had that thing nailed. I 
struggle with time. Dad didn't have a problem with time management. My dad got tremendously smarter. But until our children come to that, that, that understanding that we are and forever will be smarter than them, amen. And we know that's not true. But we do have something. If you're 45, 55, 65, you do have something. I don't care your educational background. You do have something that they cannot get in 19 years, 23 years, 25 years, 29 years, and that's life experience. And sometimes I think because of college, we go, well, I don't understand it all in the credits and the school and, and the degree. And what in the world do you do with that degree? I don't know. That we kind of default back and say, well, you know, I don't really have anything else to offer now. Oh, yes, you do. And moms and dads, the number one thing you've got is prayer. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I pray so much harder for my three boys and my daughter-in-law and they're all good kids I pray so much harder for them now than I did when they were teenagers or when I did when they were children and the reason is they've got choices that I really can't control now I can speak into it but there are some choices that they'll make or have made that are beyond my control what, what I, I pray you say, well, that seems so helpless. Is that the best I can do? Let me see. So let's reroute our thinking on prayer here. Prayer says, puts me in a relationship with the God, the creator of everything. God, creator of everything, who can move mountains and cast them in the sea. And we want to ask this God to be involved in our children's lives. And he says, yes, he will. And we think that's a waste of time? Pray. But maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're one of those that kind of left. And you haven't really come back. You haven't really... It's not that you've taken a stand against God or against church. It's just the excitement of life and the excitement of you just kind of took you this way. You didn't really set out to personally reject Christ or faith. And it's not that you just even intentionally left the church. You, you just stopped doing this and started doing this and you realize that coming back and serving Christ is so much more important. Solomon said as he came to the end of chapter 12, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. He was saying, come back. He said, if you've left the God of your youth, come back. This is the whole duty of man. Several months ago, Byron, my son, wrote a song. He's going to come out and sing it in just a second. And it just simply says, come back. And if you've wandered away from Christ, if you're not where you ought to be in your relationship with him, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth. And maybe this morning you might just need to come back and say, you know, Jesus, I do love you. And for my wandering, as we sang about earlier in the worship set, Lord, I'm not wandering anymore. I'm giving you my heart. And 
and serve you now in the days of my youth. Would you just sit and relax?
might need to come back to Jesus. You know, in just a few moments, we're going to take a, you know, shift the order of service. I would love to hang right down here and just talk with you and share with you. But what's the word for the rest of us? What do we do with a message like this? Well, first, we as a church must reaffirm our commitment as a church to invest in our youth. We have to keep investing. We have to keep pouring in. There is a return on the investment, but we must invest. Second, we have to know that Tot Spot Children's Ministry, Teen Ministry, are not babysitting services, man. They are ministries that are passionately committed to teaching our children here in this church and be a part of it in some way. There's so many different ways to get involved. Be a part of it. Invest. And third, pray for your children. Pray for the children of this church. Pray for the youth of this church. Keep investing in prayer. God will always send a return on that type of investment. In short, we have to keep investing. Now, this also includes the ministry to the 19 to 29-year-old group that as they come into the life of the church and we have to keep teaching and keep preaching and keep sharing and keep mentoring and keep praying because God has promised that there will be a return on that type of investment. So I want to close our service out by asking you all to stand and let's pray for our children. All right? And here's the way we're going to do it. This section, I'm going to pray for everybody, but this section is going to pray for tot spot workers and tot spot children and tot spot parents. If you can think of some, call them out by name. You may not know any, but that's okay. Pray for them in general. This group's going to pray for uh, our children's church. If you know children that are in there, pray for them, pray for their parents, pray for their workers, uh, pray for that ministry. This section is going to pray for teen ministry. And you're going to pray for teenagers. You may not know them. You may not even like them, but you pray for teen ministry. And then this group's going to pray for that 19 to 29-year-old group. And that God would give us the wisdom as a church. And I'm going to pray for our church as a whole. So this is not a listen to Pastor Mike pray time. I want you to pray individually. Because where two or three are gathered together, when we make that prayer investment, God responds to that. Our ushers are going to come forward. And when the prayer is done, we'll receive the offering. And then Byron will do whatever. And then, then we'll be done the day. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will always be a church that invests in the lives of our youth so that lives can be committed to you and given to you early so that they can avoid, Lord, the hardships, the sting, the trials of sin. Father, my prayer is, Lord, that you give us some insight on how to, on how to change the direction of that downward trend of leaving the church between 19 and 29. Help us understand how to help parents effectively parent better during that time. Help us understand how to minister to those during that time and how to set our teenagers and our children and our our tot spot all the way down to those children. How to set them up for success. spiritually speaking so Father we love you man with all of our heart we just want to see the gospel go out and many as many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ 
Father, I pray that we make this a matter of prayer and discussion over the next four weeks. And we love you. We ask your blessing on the offering. In Jesus' name. And we all say, Well, it's a different type of message and a different type of series, but I think it'll be one that benefits our church. And I want to ask you to continue to pray. Speaking of children, Wednesday night, we're back on Spy Chase. So bring your children back on Wednesday night. It's going to be great. We're going to have a uh, great time. Fusion is going to be back with Tommy and the teens. Don will be teaching here in the adult service. Is that right? Or no? Yeah, you bet. And so he'll be teaching uh, here. And he does a phenomenal job teaching way and so you make sure that you are here god bless you turn around shake hands with somebody you don't know who they are take a moment introduce yourself let them know we're glad that they're here and check the bulletin and the website for all the other announcements that i don't have a clue about have a great day amen and amen